Hey, it's episode 19 of the TV Junk Podcast, and this is The Mandalorian Season 3. My name is Greg. Thanks for checking out the pod. Recording today, and it's May the 4th. Yes, May the 4th be with you. It's Star Wars Day, and it seemed like an appropriate time for us to chat some Star Wars stuff. So on the show today, making it two in a row, we've got Doug. Doug, how's it going? Oh, very good. International friends, may the fourth be with you. It's always a pleasure. Good, sweet, gracious TV junk. Talking about The Mandalorian, this is uh, one of my more favorite shows over the past few years. So excited to talk about it. So you're, you're a massive Star Wars fan? I would say that I am, for the most yeah. part, yeah. Have you ever dressed up like a Star Wars character? Actually, my go-to costume uh, is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Nice. And I, I grow into it a little better every year, right? So it's good. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're transitioning from Ewan McGregor to Alec Guinness? Yeah. 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 I'm in the uh, transitionatory stage right now, so <laughs> I'm going to die soon. I'm going to be a Force <laughs> ghost in not too long, friends. <laughs> Man, if you're a Force ghost, you better show up often at Jackson Square. Oh, absolutely. You know what? Like when people are using clean needles, I'll be like, don't do it. The dirty ones. <laughs> <laughs> also on the pod, we've got uh, Nuno. Nuno, how's it going? Good, Greg. Thanks for having me. And, and uh, may, may the fourth be with you. Nice. And have you ever dressed up like a Star Wars character? I don't think so. No? No, I, I can confidently say I've never dressed up. I've made a, I've made a Star Wars costume for my son. Right. Last, last year, but I didn't never made one for myself. And uh, that costume was a uh, Snice Noodle from Jabba the Hutt's band. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was uh, it it was Cad Bane. Uh, yeah, the Cad Bane. That's from, right. Uh, Boba Fett or the book of Boba Fett. So uh, we're here to talk about uh, the Mandalorian and a little bit of uh, the Filoni verse and uh, and where that's going. So uh, recently they released a trailer for the summer's uh, new Disney Plus show, uh, Ahsoka, which is based around the character of Ahsoka Tano, um, giving us uh, the latest adventures of of her. Um, now, um, did you guys uh, were you guys ever fans of the uh, the Star Wars cartoons like the Clone Wars and and Rebels? Doug, did you watch those? Never really got. I've seen a few episodes, but I wouldn't say I followed them at all. No. Uh, what about you, Nuno? Um, I've seen. Yes. I've seen some of Clone Wars, but I'm a huge fan of Rebels. I think I think yeah. Rebels is maybe one of my favorite Star Wars shows. Period. Doug, uh, uh, is is Thor your your son? Is he a Star Wars fan? Just starting to get into it now. He actually dressed up as Darth Vader the other day. They had costume day at nice. school, and uh, yeah, he loved it. So I introduced him to. Um, the original trilogy we went just a little while ago great theater up the house that i always pump the playhouse in hamilton uh we saw empire strikes back so that was a blast and uh he has watched now a few episodes of the mandalorian with me uh loves baby yoda right like uh, every other kid and uh yeah it's uh it's funny star wars is um in a way like modern myth or religion uh in that there's a tale to tell but each character is representative of something or someone that we all know as we go through life right so uh, it's also one of those shows that is fairly universal most people have seen star wars uh so in a way it's almost like scripture where you can talk about it and find commonalities with people and have a way to describe certain ideas 
uh, using characters as examples. And uh, I do like that about Star Wars. And it's no surprise because uh, George Lucas uh, dipped into uh, religion when he, he wrote it, right? So it makes sense. You know, it's funny that you say that uh, a lot of the characters remind you of, of people in your life because, like, my uh, my high school law teacher uh, surprisingly looked a lot like Admiral Akbar. That's hilarious. <laughs> wow. Yeah. For real? Like, the, the lower face uh, was was uncanny, and it was uh, it was a little disturbing. But yeah. he didn't have the eyes. The yeah, eyes were not. He had, the, the, like, crazy jowl action and, like, yeah, neck, yeah. Sag, sagging neck, yeah. Wow. But anyway, like Doug, I was saying that maybe Clone Wars and Rebels is something uh, yeah. uh, you should uh, you should get them to watch because they're both really well um, told stories, um, ton of action, and, and a lot of these characters are, are the characters that are showing up in all of these uh, Disney Plus nice. shows, and yep. and and um, I kind of have a feeling all of it is going to lead into a, a, a film. Um, probably uh, written and directed maybe with Dave Filoni and, and John Favreau together. Cause I think all these characters are going to come together at the end. Um, but anyway, so Ahsoka Tano, like her character uh, was introduced. Uh, I can't remember if she was introduced in the books first or in the cartoon, but she was a uh, Anakin's uh, Padawan um, uh, before he, before he turned uh, to the dark side. And uh, um, like a super popular, actually, I would say probably kind of annoying at the beginning of Clone Wars when she first showed up, but kind of that annoying sidekick character. Um, but uh, as the show went on and then as uh, she appeared in Rebels as she got older, like she was framed for a crime and she was booted out of the Jedi Order. And, um, you know, she's cool. She's got two white lightsabers, kind of a badass look. And uh, and uh, the trailer looked um uh, I thought it looked like very cool. It, it gave me a lot of Western vibes again, like which is one of the great things about Star Wars itself. It's very Western like, and uh, uh, I, I really like that kind of a vibe from the the show. So uh, initial thoughts. Well, we'll go with Nuno because you're familiar with more of those characters that showed up. Uh, watching the trailer, what'd you think? Um, yeah, you know, I was excited. It was um, as a fan of Rebels, it was good to see uh, Sabine Wren. And Hera, and of course, I think my favorite Star Wars droid is Chopper. Chopper. Chopper is amazing. So great to see that they're all back. Um, we're probably going to see the ghost. I don't think we, I don't know if there was a shot of the ship in this. I think that Hera was piloting like a, that small shuttle that comes off of the ghost, I think. I, I um, think there was actually uh, in, uh, in the last Star Wars film, Rise of, is it Rise of Skywalker? Is that what uh, it's called? I think so. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe when, when all the ships show up at the end, the ghost is amongst one of those ships. So it has made an appearance before. Yes. Yeah. And, and I heard that it's also in, um, it's in Rogue One as well. Uh, when, when there's that large um, battle. Right. Um, but yeah. And uh, I guess yeah, I, uh, it was interesting. I guess this Ahsoka would take place. It'd be parallel to Mandalorian. Same timeline post Vader, post original trilogy, but there seemed to be a lot of Sith in it. There's a lot of lightsaber action. Um, yeah. I, I, I think Ray Stevenson looks pretty cool. Um, as I guess I'm assuming a Sith master. Um, and, Ray uh, Stevenson actually plays, uh, he plays a character named Balin skull, who was a, a former Jedi who survived order 66. Um, and uh, but now he's an ally to Thrawn, so I think he's kind of turned after okay. uh, all that. But uh, he looks 
awesome. He looks really show. cool. Yeah, and, and it's funny, the lightsabers, I guess he and I assume his apprentice, the lightsabers aren't quite red. They're almost like an orange. They are very orange, right. I think, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy how they keep introducing different colored lightsabers. Just yeah. more of the, the mystique to it. I, I think... Yeah, like I, I think they're finally getting that uh, people love fucking lightsabers in these oh, yeah. in their Star Wars, right? And like, and now, you know, they've they've done stuff that didn't have lightsabers, like and you know, and you know, not not uh, loved, you know, completely uh, across the board. But I think I, I think more lightsabers they give us, I think that that's what people really want to see. I think that's what you know really. Uh, makes people really enjoy star Wars is, is the lightsaber. It's like the, the symbol. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we get, we get, uh, the, the back of the headshot of grand Admiral Thrawn. Oh, right. Yep. And, uh, you know, he's mentioned a, a bunch of times in, in this season of the Mandalorian as well. So like, they're really, uh, tying this together. And, uh, um, the one thing they mentioned in the trailer is, uh, they say the phrase heir to the empire, um, which was uh it was kind of like the first Star Wars book post the original trilogy and it kind of carried on the stories of, of Luke and Han and, and Leia and like Han and Leia I think got together and had kids and and Luke uh was was like hooking up or married to a a Jedi named Mara Jade in the stories and Grand Admiral Thrawn was like the the villain in, in this trilogy of books and I think um I, I know at one point um, it might have been Kathleen Kennedy, and uh, when she took over Lucasfilm, she said all the books were no longer canon. But I think people like Dave Filoni and John Favreau, who probably read those books as kids, um, like appreciated that stuff and and are bringing a lot of those characters and all those stories back. And I think we're going to kind of get a, like a loose representation of of this trilogy uh, as we move through these television shows and, and probably uh, into films later on. So I'm kind of excited about it. But uh, Doug, as someone who, you know, you you, you knew who uh, Ahsoka Tano was just from her appearance uh, in the other Disney Plus uh, live action shows. So what do you think of the trailer? So I agree with both of you guys. It's it's nice to see more lightsaber action, right? Because uh, w- when you have Jedi's without lightsabers or Star Wars without lightsabers, it's like watching a samurai movie without swords, right? It's a big part of the story. It's a big part of the mystique. Uh, so you want to see it, and it was it was a good trailer. I like the aesthetic uh, that they have managed to pull off uh, in the Mandalorian in the Sashoka trailer. It looks good as well, uh, and it, it's it's true to the kind of what they had going on in the 70s. Uh, Now, another thing I like is that they're able to bridge with the prequels. Uh, There's pulling in like Mando's ship, right? Uh, How it's refurbed and that works out as well. And and they seem to have uh, an affinity for the prequels. Uh, And and to be honest, I like what they've kind of done to bring that into the story. Um, So so that's very interesting to me. And uh, yeah, it's just, it was a really good trailer. It piqued my interest, and I certainly want to see it. And I've, I like the character uh, when she did the spot in the one episode in the uh, the Mandalorian as well. So that was or one or two. I forget how many she was in, but yeah, it was good. Yeah, because uh, she was also in a little bit of the Book of Boba Fett, hanging out mm-hmm. with uh, Luke when they were sort of training uh, Grogu for a short time. Of course, like the two best episodes of the Book of Boba Fett were the ones <laughs> yeah, the that book. really didn't feature Boba Fett at all. But Book of yeah, Boba we, Fett we've gone over that. Shit. 
that was largely yeah. shit. And uh, I love the sand people, and then they killed them. So fucking great, great <laughs> job, guys. And uh, speaking of the aesthetic, too, that was weird because in that show, a lot of stuff looked good, but then they decided to do that weird fucking cyborg gang that looked yeah. fucking whack. Like, oh, right. Yes. That, the, was, that, uh, that was all. All Robert Rodriguez. It just it felt like a continuation of his like uh, Battle Angel Alita movie, whatever that is. Yeah, very very spy very spy kids. Yeah, it was fucking yeah, terrible. super divisive characters. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't a fan either. Yeah. All right. Uh, so yeah, it, it, uh, a lot of stuff that's coming through the pipeline from Disney Plus. Uh, looking forward to. Uh, uh, that new show. Um, so let's get into talk about season three of of the Mandalorian. Um, so where did we leave off at the end of, of season two? It feels like so long ago that uh, um, that season two aired. Um, that's uh, he kind of left Grogu, and, and I think at the time I thought that that was kind of going to be the end of their story together, and and future seasons of the Mandalorian weren't going to feature Grogu, but um obviously i'm dumb and and the people behind lucasfilm love money and <laughs> grogu baby yoda makes them a lot of fucking money in merchandise yeah. and so do they're they, gonna do they do it for the money do you think I, probably <laughs> probably and they're gonna push that little bastard onto everybody uh into every show that they possibly can because you know uh for a while i wasn't sure how i felt about baby yoda but god damn it that guy's adorable oh, and uh mm-hmm. Special props to Werner Herzog. Apparently on the set, they were flip-flopping in front of him. Should we use this animatronic or should we use CGI? Maybe we should use CGI. And he just goes, you're all cowards. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. It was so wonderful and beautiful. It's mysterious. How could you ever not use it? And then they're like, okay, no, we're going to listen to you. And it was the fucking smartest thing they could have done. Because That's true. Like, uh, I hate the most recent Star Wars movies. Like, what is it? Seven, eight, nine. They're just pure trash garbage. Uh, the, the only redeeming quality of, well, two, uh, that when Luke is drinking that weird beast milk is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, that, 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 that face he makes, he's like, he just yeah. has a good big mouthful right, he's, of it. He's, he's staring directly into the camera, like looking at <laughs> us weird. saying, look at what these motherfuckers are making me do. I'm just chugging this fucking blue milk. <laughs> yeah, that's so weird. Um, but all that they went back to Puppet Yoda. Yeah. yeah. Puppet Yoda makes a big difference, right? So It does. Um, yeah, so right, the the end of uh, uh Mandalorian, and he kind of gives up uh Grogu, and Grogu leaves with uh Luke Skywalker, and then they kind of get reunited in the book of Boba Fett, and now we continue uh their adventures. So, um, the majority of these episodes were uh, okay, all of them were written by John Favreau, he had a couple of co writers on a couple episodes, uh, but they were all written by John Favreau, uh, a bunch were directed by Rick, uh Femiyiwa, who has directed a, a ton of the other uh, episodes in the other seasons. Um, and then we got a bunch of one-off episodes directed by other people. One episode directed by uh, Carl Weathers himself, mm-hmm. yep. um, which was awesome. And then we'll, we'll, uh, the, the one directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, which was uh, the I think the sixth episode in the series. We, we'll talk about that as we get there. That was mm-hmm. kind of a special episode. It was special, um, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, good and bad in that episode. Um, so we kind of catch up with uh, 
with the, the group of the Mandalorians who still believe in the creed, who still won't refuse to take off their, their masks. And they're kind of living in this cave and, um, um, a young, um, what do, what do they call the young ones again? Apprentices, right? Apprentices, uh, is kind of taking the creed to become a Mandalorian. And then this fucking creature shows up, uh, like a giant dinosaur turtle, which looked kind of cool. And uh, they're kind of getting their asses kicked by this thing, and 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 Jin Darn and and Grogu show up and kind of save the day in that awesome ship that they're flying now. And uh, um, the Mandalorian wants to be redeemed, and the only way he can do that is to to go back to Mandalore and to uh, uh, bathe in the the magic waters and uh, and and come back and prove that uh, he has done that. Um, so uh, a lot happens in in the this episode. Uh, again, I, like I just watched almost all of it on Sunday, but a, a lot of it is a bit of a is is a bit of a blur. Um, um, is this the episode where uh, the kid gets kidnapped by the? Or that comes later on, I think. Right? That happens later. That comes yeah. Later on. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so um, so now now we get kind of caught up with with uh, Carl Weathers, grief carga. Um, I love this character. Yeah. I love Carl Weathers. He's the man. And yeah. uh, uh, I like how he now wears like a huge cape and he's known as High Magistrate. And he has two little droids carrying the end of the cape behind yeah. him wherever he goes. <laughs> that was fucking awesome. And uh, so a bunch of pirates have shown up and Carga uh, uh, needs some some help to, uh, to get them out of there. So he reaches out to... Uh, uh, to the Mandalorian to come uh, uh, get these guys out of there. So uh, the first episode had a, had a, a ton of good stuff uh, introducing these uh, these pirates that are uh, we get a few episodes of these pirates throughout uh, the season. So um, how do you guys feel about how uh, episode one like like was it was it a good jump off to the season? A lot of action. How do you feel about it? We'll start with Nuno. I uh, I like the first episode. The first monster of the encounter during like the the young lean, it's almost like a baptism thing they're doing. Yeah, um, that was okay, but I found that it became something that this season kept going back to. There's constantly like almost like kaiju sized monsters just lurking everywhere. The Mandalorians like you know settle down. <laughs> um, so after a while, it it pretty much it got ridiculous. <laughs> just how many episodes were about like oh no, we're living right beside this big ass monster that wants to eat our kids and yet we're still gonna set down roots here and not find a better part of the planet to live in but um aside from that yeah i uh i really like grief carga uh, it's yeah carga right yeah grief carga yeah. um and seeing navarro i think when they when man when the man when uh when mando wanted to rebuild ig11 I was really worried yes. at that point. I was like, Oh, I, I really don't want to go there. Like that character went out, um, in a good way. Like it, it, it would seem wrong to just resurrect him and kind of pick up where you left off. So, um, I, I, I was pleasantly surprised at where that manifests later on in the season. But yeah, as, as a first episode, um, I liked it. Yeah, it was quite good. And it, it, uh, I kind of uh, left us off in that there uh, with uh, Mando showing up uh, t- to to find Bo Katan and and uh, um, kind of head over to uh, 
Mandalore, but she doesn't really want to go with him. Um, he kind of wants to, uh, you know, uh, get back the in, into the good graces with the rest of the the Mandalorians, and she doesn't want to go. Uh, but uh, she sort of seemed to be living quite the uh, the lonely existence, as most of her crew had had kind of fucked off and, and left her there all alone. Uh, Doug, first episode thoughts? Yeah, it was good. I agree with Nuno too. It's you can tell these guys like the big monster aspect in star Wars and in star Wars, you know, there's a, there's a history of, of big monsters and big monster scenes. Uh, but it was a lot, uh, this season. Um, and the first, in the first episode, you don't know that there's going to be monsters all over the place. Right. So it was still good. And, uh, there was a lot of action introduced the pirate characters. And, uh, I was interested to see what was going to happen with the robot as well. Right. Cause, uh, I love the idea of, uh, droids and at uh, this season actually had a lot of good droid stuff in it. It was some of my favorite, parts of this season and uh rebuilding droids of this sort of thing is uh, very interesting to me when it comes to the star wars universe uh so that kind of piqued my interest to see where they were going to go with that uh and again to nuno's point it it took a, a turn that uh i enjoyed very much and uh was surprising as well yeah um episode two um I thought this was actually one of my uh, favorite episodes. I thought this was was a good one because uh, uh, Mando heads back to Tatooine. They, everybody's always got to show up on Tatooine at some point in in a Star Wars project. It's like uh, it feels like home for everybody. So I'm always glad that they always do find a way to return there. And we get Amy Sedaris's character and the Jawas again, mm-hmm. which is pretty good uh, uh, comic relief. Uh, and uh, so he wants to get this chip so he can rebuild IG-11. She doesn't have the chip, so instead she sells him, uh, I think, the returning R5-D4. Uh, has, I don't recall him being in anything else beyond A New Hope before this. Mm-hmm. Was he in anything else that we saw? I'm not sure. I don't think so. Because uh, like this was, uh, this was, I'm pretty sure that um, – R5-D4 was the first droid Star Wars figure that I got. I got I'm got. i pretty sure I got awesome. that one before I had uh, R2-D2 and C-3PO. I, I was a, a little bit too young for that first wave of 13 figures in 77. But when Empire came out and then they had that the second wave and, and all the other figures, I remember getting R5-D4. And then, you know, he kind of has like a short moment in A New Hope and that's kind of it, but he got a figure. I'm assuming that both... I'm assuming that John Favreau was just like me who got the figure and was like, I got to bring this fucking droid back because he didn't get his just due. And uh, so we get a, a good ch- a good chunk of episodes that feature R5-D4, which I was super pumped. Uh, I love when they have like these kind of Easter eggs. And I wouldn't even say it's an Easter egg. It's it's just, you know, a, a, a bringing back a character mm-hmm. because uh, like he shows up in, in a bunch of the episodes. But I was super pumped to see that. I don't know. Doug, I'm, I'm getting the feeling you've kind of felt the same way seeing that character. Yeah, very much so. Uh, it was... Uh... It, it was an interesting droid, uh, like a bit of a skittish personality, which was funny. And it, they just did it very well, right? It's um, droids all around. I love uh, with, what is it? What's that movie? Um, Rogue One. Was it K2SO? Yeah. yeah. Love, love K2SO, right? So uh, with, with R5 in this, uh, R5 has a couple big moments in this uh, this season as well. Uh, and they're, they're good, right? So it was nice to see them outfit the ship where they can have the astromech droid again. And uh, yeah, I liked it very much. And uh, it, it gives another opportunity because the, they they got to put 
R5 into into the bubble piece in the ship, and it gives more opportunity for Grogu to sit on Mando's lap. And we, we get a ton of shots from inside that cockpit of just the two of them snuggled together in that scene with Mando asleep at one point, just snoozing while they're going through, uh, you know, hyperspace, uh, which was awesome. Um, Nuno, R5-D4, huge fan, I'm assuming. Yeah, like he's uh, isn't he's the droid that Uncle Owen wanted to buy, right? Then he yes. like then he like has like a busted fuse. He kind of shorts out. Yeah, no, yeah, he it was cool. He looked uh, looked like his classic self. Um, I I like I like that Mando um, hates droids, <laughs> just part of his personality. Um, so uh, yeah, it was good. I'm I'm glad that he had to. Again, I was relieved that. It wasn't a quick fix to get IG eleven back in there, yeah. and it made sense that he had an astromech anyway. So you know, again, he he can take a he can take a nap at the at the wheel, or at at the uh, at, at in, in the cockpit and let the astromech fly for you. Yeah, that's true. It's it's always good to have a have a, a, a co pilot like that. Um, the episode uh, kind of gets going when they show up on Mandalore, and uh, he sends R five out to to get some readings because like everybody believes that. Uh, Mandalore is cursed and everything is poisoned after the Empire bombed it and destroyed everything. Um, so he sends R5 out and, uh, you know, the, the, the beacon kind of disappears. So that means, uh, uh, Mando's got to go look for him. And, uh, uh, and so they, they, they find R5 kind of knocked over. And then there, there are like these troll like creatures that show up, yeah. um, which are, are new characters or I, um, I don't know if it was more of a of a convenience to to have these kind of um, I, I don't I don't know I guess they lived on Mandalore uh, on the outskirts and have kind of taken over everything and so he kind of makes short work uh, of them and he goes down to find uh, where um, the, the waters are and he gets caught in this like cyborg crab like thing which I don't really think that they ever really explained what that was and why it was on Mandalore at any point during the show. No, <laughs> no, it was no. just kind of there, but it, it was, cool, it, it, it it was, was cool. very cool. It was super cool. And, uh, and how it kind of it set the trap and, and all that. Uh, but really no explanation of what this thing was and why it was there, but uh, it gives us an opportunity for, for Grogu for the first time mm-hmm. to in this season to save the day and scoot out of there, fly the ship, and go get uh, Bo-Katan to come uh, rescue him, and uh, uh, which I thought was was, was a pretty cool scene. And when because uh, Bo finally picks up the dark saber and she knows how to use it because we've seen uh, Mando use it before and struggled with it, but she was pretty uh, adept at using it and uh, was able to take the that crab creature out and uh, a pretty good action sequence and. Uh, Finally, uh, uh, Mando gets to the waters. He gets kind of sucked into the bottom. Bo has to go rescue him uh, again and, and pull him out. And uh, um, as she's coming back up, she comes face to face with this. Uh, they call it the Mythosaur, which like is this legendary uh, Mandalore creature that they they base a lot of their symbolism on. And like the like uh, a skull of one is is hanging in the the armorers. Uh, den uh, and so uh, we get to see this massive creature the the second 
of the kaiju creatures that we see uh, in this series. But overall, I thought a really cool second episode, mm-hmm. uh, some good action sequences. We get R5-D4 back, and um, uh, we get to see uh, the Darksaber in use a bit. Doug, what do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. It was uh, it was good all around. I like um, the, I- the idea that if you have to be redeemed, you have to be baptized on Mandalore, right? So... Uh, going back to Mandalore was cool. The uh, troll-like creatures reminded me of Morlocks from uh, the Time Machine. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So it was like a throwback uh, to that for me. And uh, I thought that was kind of a tip of the hat to uh, a classic film. Because uh, if you're going to have monsters, right, it's uh, not a bad idea to uh, tap into ones that are already fairly familiar to others. Um, but yeah, the the crab-like machine, uh, very interesting. I liked how it had different modes and could... Uh, get bigger or smaller uh, based on the combinations. It was just really, really interesting. Maybe we'll get an explanation down the road what it might be. Um, but there's a comedian. I forget his name right now, but he's got a great joke about sometimes you don't not want to know where things come from, right? Like I like Angelina. The joke is I like Angelina Jolie, but I don't need to think about John Voight's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll find the name of the comedian. Uh, like somebody who's listening probably knows, but that's just a great bit, and it's very true. <laughs> Nuno, what'd you think? Yeah, I agree with Doug. I was getting like um, has the classic sci-fi vibes, like um, yeah, the time machine, and just like the whole idea of them kind of being below the like the ravaged surface. It kind of yeah, it reminded me of like um, but beneath the Planet of the Apes as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was cool to see Mandalore. Um, I know my son and I, like, because I had seen some episodes of The Clone Wars, which introduced Bo-Katan and uh, her sister, who was once the ruler of Mandalore, I believe. She was a princess. Yeah, and uh, Obi-Wan was... Uh, That's right. They, they were they were doing it. They were, yeah. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was just, it's kind of funny. Um the different planets we see in this season and it brought up this strange thing where it's like um, planets, a lot of planets in star Wars seem like they're, they're just cities, right? Everyone lands, everyone lands in the exact same spot. This entire planet um, doesn't seem very diverse. Like, uh, you know, the geography is not, we don't see different seasons. We don't see different, uh, ecosystems. It's just like, hey, if you go to Coruscant, it's just a bunch of big ass skyscrapers and everything looks the same. And you go to Tatooine, it's all a desert planet. The entire planet is a desert and everything is in like driving distance to like, you know, the, the old cantina. But, um, yeah, with Mandalore, it's funny. Like if you'd watched the Clone Wars, you would have seen it was, it was like a Coruscant type of world. I think there were it, like the huge, you know, metropolis was. Kind of like in some big protective dome. It's kind of like kind of Jetsons like, kind of like Coruscant like. And then when you see this, it's just that there's nothing left. Which I don't know how I felt about that. It would have been cool to see like like a ruined, some ruined like um, like cityscapes. You know, just if it's just a bunch of girders and stuff. Yeah, it just it seemed like a bit too prim. It seemed a bit too primitive for what it used to right. be. Um, the one, the one thing that they they did do later on, uh, I think it was in in this particular episode, or maybe it was in episode uh, two. Uh, but uh, Mando did point out as they were going to Mandalore that uh, how close 
everything was to each other because he was pointing out well that's that's where bo katan is and that's so they kind of gave a little context to how close all these planets are together so you know they're they're not going from one end of the the galaxy to the other uh so i like how they kind of threw that in but but it is true like every time we do visit all these planets i mean at least we've kind of explored a, a a different part of Tatooine and these like uh like because Maz Eisley is the like the the famous place but we did um with uh Timothy Oliphant's character in in the man oh, right. the first season yeah. he has a, there's another different Maz space I can't remember what what that uh area is but uh they have explored that planet a little bit and it is all desert but uh <laughs> but yeah they, they they do have their favorite parking spots for sure so yeah so episode three uh, they, uh, uh, Mando and Bo-Katan and Grogu return back to find the rest of the, the, the Mandalorians. And, uh, uh, as they're heading out, uh, a bunch of, uh, Imperial TIE squads come in and they, they blow the shit out of Bo-Katan's home and they kind of have to retreat and they end up going back to the armor and showing uh, that the, they both bathed and they showed proof. And so both of them are, cause they had their helmets on. We're welcome back to, into uh, the side of, of, of the Mandalorians. Um, and, and that was, uh, was, was kind of a bookend uh, of this episode because a, a good chunk of it uh, was kind of like a secondary beginning of this, a secondary plot that ran through this season involving uh a doctor uh, and Moff Gideon and uh, a bunch of uh, rehabbed uh, former members of, of the empire. And this one doctor, he was in, I'm pretty sure it was in season two. And he was the one that was conducting a lot of the experiments. They were trying to clone Grogu and all that. And then we kind of started to get to know this character about it. And I will say that a good chunk of this doctor storyline, I was, tuning out pretty fast because I had zero interest in this character mm-hmm. nor where he was going. Uh, didn't have any interest in this uh, side character, this female character who was trying to help him, who was obviously still uh, a, a member of the, <laughs> the empire. You could tell right from the get go. And I had a, a lot of trouble getting invested into this uh, secondary storyline. Um, I don't know what you guys felt about it. Doug, what did you think? Yeah, no, I agree. This, this episode I did feel like a filler episode, uh, and uh, I would say that this season in particular had some episodes that did feel like filler episodes, and I didn't necessarily dislike all of them, and sometimes I do like where one episode kind of tells its own story, like we have that with the Bubble City, and we'll talk about that later. Um, but this one in particular, yeah, it was it was not a strong episode for me. I didn't necessarily like it. I, I get that they're setting a few things up for later on. Um and like this is this is something that uh, a lot of the the Disney Plus uh, Marvel shows are kind of guilty of, where they um, they kind of introduce a lot of stuff that is going to be for later on, and uh, uh, you know they're kind of forced to start these stories somewhere, and a lot of the times it kind of takes it away from the kind of the point of the show that you're trying to watch, and um, I kind of get that they have to do that, but yeah, it uh, uh, that storyline. It, Maybe it'll get going somewhere, but maybe not. Uh, but I had uh, I had a lot of trouble uh, sticking with it. Uh, Nuno, what are your thoughts? I wasn't a fan of any of the stuff on Coruscant uh, with the Doctor and the, the former um, Imperial people. I thought it was a really drawn out, super convoluted story. I think you, you just even visually, 
it just didn't feel like the Mandalorian. So, uh, something about using, I know that they're a big fan of using that, that volume, like huge, like LED, um, uh, like set now for, and I think it works really well for outdoor environments, uh, maybe like, you know, natural landscapes with, with this huge city. Something about it just felt kind of really uninteresting. Um, maybe just overload similar to how I felt watching um, Ant-Man Quantumania where just this visual fatigue of just so much crap going on, really boring. Um, It was a really long episode too. Like once, once the story went, I I think it was, I think it was one of the only episodes that's almost an hour long, if not longer. And um, yeah, it was so drawn out. And then the way it concluded, it just seemed, I think they just, they essentially brought that doctor's, story to an end i imagine and it seemed completely pointless yeah i'm I'm not really sure where it was going or why we needed to have it uh but but it was there and we had to uh live through it it, it uh, was there episode, yeah 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 for sure so this next episode was the one that was directed by carl weathers um uh and uh, as I was looking at the directors, I just assumed that he would have directed one of the episodes that he was in, but I don't think Grief Cargo was in this episode at all. Uh, but this was the one where uh, Grogu decided, or Grogu is now starting his his Mandalorian combat training, uh, <laughs> and he gets uh, his first training match with uh, uh, with another one of the the Foundlings, and uh, they're using like uh, paintball guns uh, essentially in this thing, and and you know. Grogu starts getting getting he starts losing the the battle and uh Mando kind of encourages him and says just do what you do and he does that awesome flip in the air and shoots three shots right into the chest of this kid and, and wins um funny uh watching this puppet fly through the air uh, every time that they do it uh I like it more and more uh, <laughs> and it's so funny it's like uh, a, a massive like complete turn for me like a 180 from how i felt about grogu before i was just kind of got kind of got tired of that character but uh the more shit that he was doing in this the more uh i enjoyed it but uh, during the fight the kid that lost the battle he he now this is the episode where he gets uh, captured by that flying turtle dinosaur raptor thing and uh, bo-katan leads a party to go to rescue him um i thought this was a pretty cool episode how um like uh it was it was interesting to show that uh the jetpacks run out of fuel and they say that you know it always gets away and so this this creature is like just taking their children over and over and over and they haven't quite figured out a plan to to rescue anything yet and so it takes Bo and Mando to figure out a way to do it so they they go and they uh they battle the the raptor and it uh it loses it and gets eaten by an even bigger creature so one more uh gaiju creature that we see but uh, uh they rescue the little boy um they rescue the raptors uh abandoned chicks and shove them in her ship and bring them back to uh, uh the rest of the mandalorians though we never do see these raptor chicks again for the series so i guess it was just done as kind of like a little funny end to the the episode but a pretty good action episode with uh um kind of good military strategy and in, in rescuing 
and and Grogu gets a, a, another piece of his Mandalorian armor as he's getting a little bit more and more uh, as we go through uh, these seasons. And uh, so what do you guys think of the, this episode? I was kind of glad they got away from this Doctor stuff and went back to just focusing on Mando and Grogu and, and Mandalorians, which is really why we're watching the show, just to see the characters that look like Boba Fett be fucking cool as shit. Um, I, I like any of the, there's a, there are a lot of uh, dogfight stuff that, that takes place um, in Bo-Katan's, I think it's like a, it's like a Mandalorian starfighter or something like that. Yeah. Her ship is really cool looking. I know I've seen them in the, in the animated series, um, the Star Wars shows before this. So it's very cool seeing one in a live action uh, like setting. And uh, yeah, that stuff is done really well. Um, I think at this point I was getting tired of the whole giant monster uh, always attacking the Mandalorian um, colony. But I like that Bo-Katan kept her helmet on and that she was going to try doing things the old way because she's um, a modern Mandalorian who doesn't go by the creed, um, you know, 100%. And uh, yeah, I I think that Grogu used the force to uh, to call upon that monster to finish off that other um, the other, other other foundling. We've uh, we've seen Grogu use his use the force to like calm the the rancor at the end of Book of Boba Fett. So I think Grogu's just a little bastard, and he uh, <laughs> he was like, "I'm gonna I'm gonna finish this fucker off." And he like mm-hmm. he reached out, he got that raptor to come and uh, snatched that kid up. So good on you, Grogu. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, what did you think of the episode? Yeah, it was pretty good. This is, uh, again, uh, another one-off episode, uh, but I liked the interpersonal uh, communication uh, between a lot of the Mandalorians. Uh, you see that um, the kid they rescue is the son of uh, the tank character. I don't know his name. Paz um, Vizsla. <laughs> Paz Vizsla, right? So uh, he's one of the Mandalorians that has been standing out since the beginning and uh, a little bit antagonistic uh, towards uh, Mando. Uh, throughout the series, but this, uh, they become bros after they save his kid, right? So that's, that's important and it sets it up for later. And it was also, uh, an episode that was interesting enough. It wasn't the best, but it, it was certainly a lot more entertaining than the, the, the previous week's episode, right? So it was, yeah. Yeah. I liked it. Into the next episode, uh, we get the return of the, the pirates and, uh, you know, uh, Mando and Groove Karga's actions in, uh, uh, escorting the, the, first group of pirates that showed up on Navarro kind of comes back where, uh, uh, Goran Shard, who is the, uh, this pirate captain of this massive ship shows up, uh, and they just fucking lay waste to Navarro and just, uh, force all the townspeople, uh, out of the city and into hiding and just take over the town. And, uh, uh, grief uh, cargo reaches out to the new republic and we would get to see uh carson tiva uh the the fighter pilot again who had appeared in a bunch of episodes and uh, uh as canadians uh, he uh uh is famous for being on a television show called kim's convenience um and uh i've never watched it but uh, uh i know it had a pretty big uh, cult following uh, anyway so the New Republic kind of turns him down, but uh, uh, Tiva has a, a different idea, and, and uh, he kind of tracks down Mando uh, uh, by basically tracking R5-D4, who, I mean, it made sense that he was able to find them by being able to track the droid. And uh, so 
Mando and Bo-Katan kind of convince the rest of the uh, this uh, this group of the Mandalorians to return to Navarro and help Grief Cargo, who had tried to kill them before, uh, but uh, to kind of save the city and uh, kind of give them an opportunity to become heroes in the eyes of the citizens of Navarro and maybe take up shop there so they don't have to live in caves and they can live on a planet and and be amongst other people so uh i think this episode was probably one of my favorites because it had one of the the best battle scenes Mm -hmm. um again uh really good military strategy that we see that the Mandalorians use uh, a lot of bait and switch stuff. And uh, you know, I, I love seeing the, the, the rows, the two rows of them in, in the ship, in the seats. And then the bottom of the ship opens up and they drop out and they're, they kind of hover in the air for a bit and their jetpacks come in and um, just a lot of that, that hand to hand stuff and, and, and gunplay that, the, that they use. And uh, Paz has that awesome, uh, like Gatling gun, huge gun that yeah. uh, that kind of fucks people up, uh, <laughs> and uh, they're able to to take out this pirate ship and and just use a really cool strategy, really good fight scenes, um, a lot of good choreography. I was a big fan of this episode. Uh, Nuno, what did you think of this one? I, I agree, it was awesome. I uh, I actually was pretty pissed off that Navarro was getting uh, getting blown to shit. Yeah, um, yeah. I was like, oh, come on, this is like awful. Um, the yeah, all all the men, all the airborne Mandalorian stuff was really cool. Yeah, it's always good to see Carl Weathers. I think the only thing I really had an issue with was the introduction of the because um, the pirates were introduced early on, and they kind of get scared off. I think they kill all of them, but one like, yeah, one guy gets away, and then this is kind of like the retribution thing. Um, the the introduction of the pirate like mothership, how it looks very like I think the captain. He kind of looks like a reject from like Pirates of the Caribbean. He's like a weird, <laughs> yeah, oh, a moss creature or something. Yeah, he's like he looks just he, he looks like Swamp Thing, and uh, and Davy Jones kind of like mixed together, <laughs> and he was just a bit too green and like he looked too much like a pirate, which is a bit silly, right? Like he, I think had he had the big overcoat, and I don't, I'm imagining he had a peg leg. I'm probably wrong, but I, I think I think his even like his. His steering apparatus kind of looked like a ship's yes. like like wheel. <laughs> so, um, I mean, it, it's funny. I kind of laughed at how silly it was. But then the Mandalorian stuff is really cool. And you got to say, like, even um, I think the trailer leading up to this season, seeing just, you know, an entire army of Mandalorians flying through the skies. Awesome. And it like I, I just I sit back and I'm like, wow, like this is. This looks pretty amazing. Aside from the gooey, um, you know, swamp thing, Captain, uh, everything was pretty cool. It uh, it it almost had a bit of a Jim Henson's uh, Creature Shop uh, yeah. vibe yeah. to yeah. it, which 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 I usually like. I, I usually like the weird stuff, the you know, the the funny kind of like Muppety look of things. And you know, it's funny too. Like I I'm looking forward to the behind the scenes. I really like that about Disney Plus. They go into really great behind the scenes stuff because sometimes you can't really tell how much something is kind of practical and then maybe assisted later on with some of the facial stuff and, you know, with uh, with some of the lip syncing with CG. But I'm very curious about this season because sometimes I was I was I couldn't tell I couldn't tell what was practical and what was CG sometimes. 
So, so picture this, uh, the first time that we see the pirate captain, it's not this mossy creature, but it's Sweetums. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Doug, what'd you, what'd you think of this episode? It was good. It was fun. Again, it's as good as a self-contained episode, right? There are some tie-ins, but it's basically Mandalorians versus fucking pirates. And I think that's one of the reasons why they went <laughs> so hard into the pirate imagery, right? Because at the end of the day, it's <laughs> pirates versus Mandalorians. It's kids playing with toys, making something cool. It's something that you would imagine if you were a kid, right? You got pirate toys, you got Mandalorian toys. They're going to have a battle. This was this episode and it was it was good. And uh, something that you mentioned earlier, Nuno, the uh, this there wasn't too much uh, starship fighting in this episode, I don't think. But it, it's it's it is very good in the Mandalorian. Every time that you have ship to ship battle or like, like sort of aerial battles, they do a very good job. Even when they're flying around, uh, it's it's cool to see. So it's um, it's impressive all around. And uh, it's funny that you mentioned that you had the emotional attachment when the city was getting raided because I did too. What's also funny is the previous episode, we all mentioned that we didn't care that the doctor died. So they, yeah. <laughs> they, they got us invested in this, this city and the planet. Yeah. The doctor, not so much. That fell short. But yeah, it's interesting. Well, it's because we all love Carl Weathers and we finally want to see him succeed, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so this episode had uh, it had a stinger, which we'll get to in a minute. But uh, the finale of this episode, um, like the armor um, kind of at this point uh, has decided that Bo-Katan was telling the truth about her seeing the mythosaur in the depths of the water. And uh, she decides to kind of say, Hey, maybe this is an omen. You're the person that can reunite all of the Mandalorians, the ones that, you know, stick to the creed and the ones that remove their helmets and, and do other stuff. And and you're the person that uh, can lead so she encourages bo to take her helmet off and she shows up in front of all the rest of the Mandalorians and uh, with her helmet off and they kind of, she gets the kind of the backing of the armor and of Mando and, and she decides that they're going to reunite all Mandalorians and take back Mandalore. And uh, I love that scene. I thought it was great. Uh, I was super pumped that uh, they were going to reunite them all and, and go back to their planet, kind of take it over again. Um, and then we get the, the little stinger, uh, with, uh, with Carson Tiva, who's flying around uh, all by himself in his X-Wing and it come across his, he's comes across a, a damaged ship, which was, a, a a transport and it was completely fucked up and there was, uh, bodies all on the inside and he realizes that it was Moff Gideon's prison transport. He never made it to the trial and then they find some remnants of Beskar alloy inside and they think that possibly the Mandalorians have taken uh, Moff Gideon away. So two things, uh, thoughts on uh, um, how you guys felt about, um, you know, Bo-Katan being the one to try to reunite all of Mandalore and how that scene played out. And then uh, uh, kind of the stinger with uh, kind of the mystery of how Moff Gideon escaped and maybe he was taken away by, by Mandalorians. At this point uh, I didn't, uh, put together what had actually happened. I thought that it was he was maybe nabbed by that that other group of Mandalorians that have their helmets off. They used to hang around with Pokatan, so that's kind of I, I was assuming where that was going. Um, so, what were your guys' thoughts on, on the end, uh, Doug? It was good. Like that made some sense as to why they had the Doctor episode, right? So it's 
and I I really like the, the, that character. Um, so I was happy to see that that was coming down the pipe right now with regards to the zealot saying you don't need to wear the mask. That's something that I actually had a problem with. Uh, not a huge problem. Like I, I get why they had to do that, but it seemed a little strange to me that the same character that gave Mando so much shit and made him go to the, the waters of Mandalore to get baptized, to redeem himself is all of a sudden now just, Oh yeah, it's okay. You know, you don't, you don't need to wear your helmet. It's cool. You're going to unite everybody. It seemed a little bit too easy for that character to be okay with it right. to me. Right. Um, so I, I get what they did. It. I understand that. But I, I think maybe it, there was a way that they could have set that up more. And uh, who knows? Maybe uh, she has a claw of a mythosaur or something. Uh, but just to say I saw the mythosaur and for them to uh, automatically buy it, I don't like it. I understand why they did it, but it seemed a little too easy to right. get there, if that makes sense. Yeah, I totally get that. Noodle, what do you think? Yeah, you know what? I, I like Doug's points. Um, it's true. like we And we do see a bit more of this. They touch on later on where some of the rules of the creed seem kind of arbitrary and um, maybe a bit, yeah, really easy to overcome them. Like it's just there's always some weird loophole, as as we'll get into later on. Um, it's kind of funny how you can kind of just, yeah, you can mentally work your way around some of these weird, harsh rules. Um, it's kind of funny. I, I think um, it, it put me in the same mindset. Just recently, my son wanted to watch all three John Wick movies that are on home video and kind of plowed through those. And I don't like the world building in that. I think a lot of the rules, everyone's, they literally say, there are rules for this, but then they always contradict them, like the next scene. That's kind of what's happening with the whole Mandalore Creed a lot of the times. Yeah. Is they're so stringent about stuff that's like, oh, wait, you're right. What you just said counteracts this. And it's just, it's funny, it's silly, but um, yeah. And the Moff Gideon stuff, it seemed kind of rushed this season. I don't know. Maybe it's because we, yeah. didn't, we, didn't, we didn't literally see him until the very end mm-hmm. of the series. Some of the, the remnants of the Empire stuff it's just not that interesting. I think yeah, I I I, I, you know. I, 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 I 100% agree that it's not that interesting. I, I think they just did it um, in a way to um, have have Moff Gideon in this story just a little bit. And I, I think it was all really done just to get the Grand Admiral Thrawn name out there. Yeah, exactly. And that he was returning. And I think that's really the only reason that they had a lot of this Empire character stuff um is to really uh, kind of unite all these sh- shows because you know like that trailer came out shortly after like those these episodes of the mandalorian aired and so they hear grand admiral thrawn and the show and then they see the trailer for the next show and they mention the same character again and so i'm assuming that had a lot to do with it um i mean i with with the empire stuff i i did enjoy that one scene with all kind of the leaders of the the, the empire kind of in that one conference room um yeah. everybody's kind of a like a, just like a, an image of them except for moff gideon so I, like i did enjoy that scene of them kind of pushing that that story along and uh but uh but yeah I, I, you know, it it was tough to to you know to 
we we get we enjoy a lot of the stuff with the actual Mandalorians and you know the fights with the pirates and all this stuff and uh and then we still have this other kind of secondary storyline which they need to put in there but um, maybe they could have found a way to be it, to be a little more entertaining I guess yeah um any more thoughts on the episode uh, Nuno oh yeah actually um was this the episode you mentioned um. Yeah, uh, grief. He reaches out to that New Republic Ranger. Yes, right? and is this where Zeb makes an appearance? Zeb from Rebels. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because I guess he he's a Ranger now too. Is what they're yeah. implying. And you know what? I didn't even recognize that that was him. Yeah, we until we you to, just mentioned yeah, it. We had to rewind it, and we you know my son and I were both listening. We're like, oh, it's the same voice actor, and I mean, it looked just like him. I I thought that again. I don't know how much of it was conventional. Um, I'm, I'm assuming some of the face was probably CG, but, um, yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome seeing Zeb and you're right. I think the Ahsoka trailer probably dropped the same week as this episode. So, so uh, yeah, yeah, we, the, we, you, you got to see like, um, the tie in with, with Thrawn and we get these visual representation of pretty much every rebels character. And, and even in the trailer, there's one little, hologram of Ezra Bridger as well. So like oh, that's right. we're getting all these characters and uh and obviously this is uh like Dave Filoni's baby uh, of these characters. Yep. Um so episode six is the one that's was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard and this was the one that kind of uh kind of got the internet in a bit of an uproar. <laughs> uh it's kind of another self contained episode of of Bo and Mando and Grogu going to find uh uh Bo-Katan's former army, who's now led by uh, Axe Wolves, which is, first of all, a great character name. Yeah, Axe name. Wolves oh, yeah. is awesome. <laughs> uh, that guy was pretty was pretty badass, too. Uh, but in order for them to get a meeting with, with them, they have to deal with uh, Captain Bombardier and the <laughs> Duchess, who are played by Jack Black and Lizzo. And so... Uh, so this episode, okay, uh, people went bananas because of these two people are now in Star Wars canon and that they were in this episode. And, um, but the actual episode itself, I l- loved the police proceduralness of this episode. Like this felt like an episode of, of Law and Order mm-hmm. or and mixed with CSI, like where like the detectives are trying to solve this mystery. You know, they have to go to the medical examiner and get some information and they interview different people to try to find the answer. Like I, I really love this episode and the way they told this, this mystery storyline, but yep. I understand why people didn't like this episode. Uh, but uh, so I liked the idea of it. Uh, but but maybe I wasn't the biggest fan of Jack Black and Lizzo being in this this episode. It it was almost too silly. But maybe that's kind of crazy considering this is Star Wars. So who knows what too silly is? Uh, but uh, Nuno, like you, you, I I feel like you've got something to say about this episode. <laughs> I I'm not surprised that there was that there's a reaction to this episode. I I'm unaware of that. I don't really go online to you know read about um, much. But um, I, I felt it too. It, it did feel like a parody of a cop show. Um, I was just kind of like laughing at the absurdity of it. Like, like you said, there's an, there's a scene where they go see um, the the coroner, but it's a droid coroner, and the yeah. 
And the guy is literally has a like, you know, a wall of like drawers with like droid ca- with droid cadavers in them. And he's just pulling it out. <laughs> like, and and then they go then they go to a droid a droid bar and there's the scene afterwards where it's like they're ha- you know, they're they getting the inside scoop and the intel from the droid bartender and the droid bartender. We got some Ugnots. Yeah. Yeah. The droid bartender is talking about how all the droids feel like they're going to get replaced by humans. <laughs> or, mm-hmm. or, 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 or I think they say organics or I don't know what they say. Um, it was, I'm always happy to see Jack Black. Um, and I thought his look was pretty amazing, but I did not like this episode at all. <laughs> It was it was too, it was a bit too bonkers. They definitely found the too strange for Star Wars. It was um, all they needed was a musical number, and this would have felt just at home with the holiday special. Yeah, <laughs> and I didn't even mention the fact that fucking Christopher Lloyd is in this episode. That's right. Yeah, and 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 and, and, and it's just like an old cop show too, where they confront him, and he's all like. You know, not one more move. We're all, and then, and then, and then, he, and then he starts going on about his weird manifesto, which is like, what the hell? He starts bringing up like, yeah. um, who does he bring up? Uh, if it wasn't for you kids, it's a little Scooby Doo too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, it was just absolutely bonkers. Um, didn't really like it. I do like, I like that the first two seasons of Mandalorian, especially the first season, every episode was self-contained. It was episodic. It felt like a nice throwback to episodic TV, which doesn't really mm-hmm. exist anymore in the, you know, the days of streaming and um, prestige television. And I think Mandalorian is now moving away from that, which is unfortunate. But this standalone episode, it did feel like a parody. It felt super ridiculous. Uh, Doug, what do you think? Yeah, same. It was a self-contained episode. It did absolutely feel a little silly. Uh, there were some scenes, though, that I... I did like it. I, I like the robot bar. It kind of reminded me of Star Wars, like the first one where they go, we don't let your kind in here this time. That's kind of flipped, right? So it's all droids. Now humans are walking to the bar and they're the, the odd ones out. Um, all the the cameos in this episode seemed a little out of place for sure, right? Even Christopher Lloyd, it seemed like almost, I, I don't I don't know if force is the right word, but oh, okay, yeah, there's another cameo at the desk, right? It's Christopher Lloyd, but it's, uh, it, it, it stuck out. It didn't seem like natural as other cameos have in the series, right? Like it's, uh, I don't know. So uh, again, it was a one-off. I, I th- They kind of tacked on at the end, uh, getting all the Mandalorians back on board with the leader. That to me was the more important, important and interesting yeah. part of the episode. And that probably should have had the lion's share of the time, right? Um, so it was strange to me that that kind of was, was tacked on at the end and the rest of the episode was like, a, like I said earlier, a Scooby-Doo episode a little bit. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they found a way to get the dark saber back into the hands of Bo-Katan to kind of unite yeah. the Mandalorians together and get her, her crew back on her side. Um, uh, which she, you know, she, she defeated Axe Wolves in battle. And then, uh, uh, Mando said, you know, Hey, I got captured. She came, you know, he, uh, I was captured 
I was stripped of the dark saber. Bo rescued me. So this saber belongs to her. It makes sense that now she has it. Um, and, uh, it, it did end the episode in, in a positive way. Uh, I totally get where you guys were coming from, but, uh, uh, you know, as someone who has seen every single episode of law and order and all of its different incantations, I just, I like, they should have been wearing like the long raincoats, mm-hmm. like, like they, mm-hmm. that, uh, detectives wear in those shows as they were walking on trying to trying to solve this uh the the mystery of the uh of the of the droids that were going a little bit haywire um but when they were chasing some of the, the they were chasing that one droid that went bananas uh when they figured out which one in the room mm-hmm. i mean it kind of takes off and then they kind of go through the the city at night chasing and i thought that was a cool action sequence but well uh, but and we're gonna goofy. talk about our favorite scenes uh, in this episode when he just starts kicking the robots. Oh, to get it to go. Awesome. Yeah. Just yeah. like, what about you? What about you? Cause he doesn't like it. And he's just like booting the robots until he finds the right one. I like that scene very much. Yeah. Um, more, more emphasis on, 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 uh, Mando not liking droids at all and not really having a use. And they even at one point where, uh, it, it actually, this comes in a later episode where he's, where he's trying to get R5D4 to do something. And, R5 is speaking back to him and he's like, I don't speak binary. So he's like the mm-hmm. only Star Wars character that doesn't know how to speak binary. <laughs> You're right. Uh, but uh all right, so we go into uh episode seven and we get um uh a little bit more of these uh of of, of Empire stuff and uh Gideon uh, is made aware that uh the Mandalorians are going back to take their planet and he has uh, an idea of how to stop them. So that all the Mandalorians meet each other uh, back on Navarro. They bring this entire fleet of, uh, of of the ones that remove their helmets, and they have all these commandeered Empire ships that they have. Like they've got a pretty decent sized mm-hmm. army and ships, and um, you know they they kind of get together and they have uh, um, kind of like a, a meal together and kind of start the the reunification of 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 men of all the Mandalorians. Uh, but the the best part of this episode is is Grief Karga presents Mando with a present. It's a it's kind of a rebuild version of IG eleven uh, that is now IG twelve, which Grogu can sit inside and control. <laughs> this yes. was like first of all the scene of of Grogu in the the, the idea of the Grogu is inside this droid controlling it was amazing. And him repeatedly pressing the yes and no buttons so good. was that was, was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. I loved him, him trashing the room while he was practicing walking with this thing and and the no, no, no. <laughs> Great comedy. Uh, I don't know if everybody found it funny, but I thought it was fantastic. Uh, Nuno, what are your thoughts? Grogu in IG-12. Honestly, just like anything about Grogu, it always works. You yep. always think, oh, this is ridiculous. Yes. Oh, it, like he looks like Krang from, you know, Ninja Turtles. But I mean, it just freaking works. And I'm with you. I was laughing along. Um, I loved it. I love the yes and no. Um, when, when he, when he's stealing fruit from the market and, mm-hmm. he, and, and he's keeping it out of Mando's reach, I was just dying. It looked so good. <laughs> so damn funny. Like I said, with Grogu, they haven't fucked up yet. It, Doug. Yeah. 
Yeah, take, no, I take, take I, my I, money, take my kids' money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I loved it. I'm looking forward to the toy. Uh, but yeah, that's what I thought Grogu, the whole time. I'm like, I want to see an action so figure good. of this. Yeah. I, and uh, I was wondering how far they were going to go with it too, right? Because I'm like, is he going to get good with it? Is he going to like, is he going to start fighting people? Like, how far is it going to go? And it didn't really go down that road too much, but like, I was certainly anticipating and excited to see uh, what would happen. Uh, but when uh, he starts breaking up fights, going the yes, no, 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 no. Uh, and just having the two buttons, one for yes, one for no, is incredible. <laughs> uh, and because uh, Grogu up into this point has made sounds, you kind of got to read his face, what he's trying to get at, right? And uh, and or um, Mando will read his face and kind of speak on his behalf. This, for the first time, gives him a bit of a voice, even though it's simple, just yes and no, but it's hilarious. It was very, very funny. And uh, yeah, surprisingly so, because uh, like you said, it could have went sideways really quick because it's a very strange idea to put... A uh, baby Yoda inside an IG <laughs> robot, um, but it worked. It was a it was a funny idea. I wonder if drugs were involved. But I absolutely <laughs> recommend those drugs if they were, because this was gold. Yeah, yeah, uh, I super enjoyed this very much. Uh, but yeah, just uh, again, like the the toys, like they just. Uh, I don't know if they have somebody in marketing that's always in these the the writers' rooms when they're pitching ideas and stuff and. Uh, and I'm sure they're just taking notes. And uh, I picture someone with like an old school, like cash register, just, you know, typing in all the dollars <laughs> and, and figuring out how much fucking money they're going to make uh, on this, on these, on these Grogu inside IG 11 or IG 12 uh, toys. My kid um, has a Grogu doll. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so is mine. <laughs> the United uh, Mandalorians are on Navarro and they decided that they're going to send a recon party to explore the surface of Mandalore and see if they can f- find the Great Forge and restart it. And so w- when they get there, uh, they meet up with a- another surviving clan of Mandalorians who are loyal to Bo-Katan and, and they're a little more uh, piratey-like and uh, they've got a kind of a cool ship that kind of hovers uh, just over the land and uh, they know exactly where the Great Forge is. Um, so they venture off to go there. But when they get there, um, they're ambushed by Moff Gideon. And he has uh, Beskar-enhanced stormtroopers, which was a super cool scene. I didn't really see that coming when they kind of got to this part. And then they kind of realized that they were inside an Emperor's base. And Mando gets separated and taken down by these stormtroopers in a pretty cool fight. Uh, and he gets subdued. And, uh, and he gets taken away, um, and, uh, you know, they, uh, uh, Moff Gideon is, decides that he's going to uh, execute uh, Bo-Katan and the rest of the Mandalorians. She uses the Darksaber to get to get a hole in the wall. They can escape. Uh, Paz Vizsla stays behind with his gun and just blowing the shit out of these uh, stormtroopers with the best armor to the point where the gun turns bright red from overheating, which that I thought was, awesome. was such a cool visual. Yeah. It was such a cool idea to show that that it does have its limits because he was using it so much and it just kind of melted in his hands. Uh, and he gets into this awesome fight uh, uh, and he's winning until Moff Gideon's like personal guards uh, show up who looked fucking badass, mm-hmm. who had these uh, these double edged uh, double ended uh, staves that had like uh, I guess like like almost like cattle prods on the end of each one, um, very similar looking in style to like uh, the Emperor's royal guards, like all red with these really cool badass helmets, and for 
Should we we see the end of uh, uh, Paz Vizla? He he does he does die at the hands of these guards, but does give them time. Everybody else to escape out the back and and survive. Um, a very cool ending uh, to this episode. Like the whole episode, I thought was 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 really good. Um, it's just like uh, amazing comedy moments, and then like mm-hmm. just such a, a sad ending to see Paz Vizla just kind of fall and succumb to the battle. And just to see these guys kind of walk away over his, uh, on top, you know, away from his lifeless body, um, kind of the, both ends of the spectrum on emotions, but a really cool story told and a surprise for me that uh, Moff Gideon had already set up shop inside uh, Mandalore, uh, which I thought was super cool. Um, Nuno, what do you think of the episode? Um, I thought it was good. I think um, this was the first episode of the season where some of the um, Empire stuff worked for me. Mm-hmm. I think this is the one where Moff Gideon he's in on the um, on the Council hologram or yeah hologram yeah. meeting, and I guess like General Hux's father is there. I know General Hux is a popular character of Star Wars fans. Actually, I I, I know people who can't stand that character from the uh, the sequel trilogy, but I guess yeah his uh, his dad was part of the Empire and. He's uh, he's mentioned and Thrawn's mentioned all of the stuff with the new troopers and Paz Vizsla uh, was very cool. Again, there's something about Moff Gideon's character. I I know he has a history with Mandalore and Boba and Bo-Katan, which precedes you ever meeting him. But yeah, just um, his weird obsession with the Mandalorian culture is kind of interesting. I don't know if I was a fan of the whole armor thing where he's like, he's armored up kind of like Vader. And then he has like his own take on a Mandalorian helmet. But the weird thing is like, we've seen that type of helmet before in Clone Wars. Like there was a, there was a character who um, after in the clone. Yeah. In Clone Wars, Darth Maul takes over Mandalore. I think at some point he, and then the person that he assigns to kind of like be, he assigns a Mandalorian to kind of be his right hand man. He has like right. that. He has that black helmet that has the little, the little, um, the little Darth Maul spikes. And uh, Moff Gideon was wearing the same helmet, or at least a very similar one. That's interesting. Yeah, it had, it had it had the weird Darth Maul horns. But um, yeah, aside from that, uh, it was an amazing episode. Again, I just love seeing fleets of Mandalorians coming together. And kicking mm-hmm. ass, and uh, finally, stormtroopers who uh, know how to shoot, <laughs> who aren't falling over themselves, and are almost unstoppable. That was uh, it was it was pretty interesting. Doug, what did you think of the episode? Yeah, it was great, and it was a really good build up uh, to the finale because, uh, like as we said, a lot of the episodes were standalones, uh, and we had bits and pieces contributing to the story. But this one really seemed like a a full episode. Uh, that was absolutely leading into the uh, finale. Uh, and by the time this episode a- ended, I was very much looking forward to how it was going to close up. Right. So it was, it was good all around. And uh, to, to see the, uh, the character go to blaze of where the, uh, the, the gun is melting, he goes to Valhalla. Like that's, that's, that's the way he was always going to die. So. 
Yeah, like building up to the finale and uh, um, the finale, the last episode, only about 40 minutes long. So I was surprised that it was a, a short final episode, but um, they don't really waste any time getting into it in the final episode. Um, the idea, the plan is to uh, uh, Axe Wolves, uh, like just shoots off back, uh, uh, flies essentially through uh space and through the atmosphere to get back to the to the rest of the Mandalorians to send them to reinforce Bo Kan's uh party and uh and heads off to uh rescue uh Mando who uh a very cool uh fight scene with with two of these uh Beskin armor clad stormtroopers with his hands tied together. Yeah. Um uh Kind of a, a, a like a lot of like uh, jujitsu and martial arts moves uh, in in the fight and uh, a very cool scene. It looks like he's about to get choked out, and then we hear no, no, no. Yes, <laughs> Grogu shows up with with inside pressing the button before he rescues Mando, <laughs> uh, which was you know a, a great rescue scene. Um, and then uh, yeah, so they um, Axe is is kind of command of the big ship, and he's kind of. Uh, left to take care of uh, the TIE fighters, the bombers that are that are leaving to go destroy all the ships. The rest of the Mandalorians come down uh, to to back up Bo, and uh, we kind of get this massive battle uh, scene where, um, first off, uh, Mando and Grogu kind of track down Moff Gideon, and they need R5-D4 to, to come down and kind of uh, take down the shields one by one, which yeah, was, a cool was a cool scene because <laughs> yeah. you know, each little block of shields had two guards and so they wanted to do it one by one so he could have time to defeat them all and they kind of discover that Moff Gideon had made clones of himself and they destroy all the clones and then we kind of get to like the the final uh battle you know the Mandalorians take care of uh, of all of the, the troopers and all that and then we get uh, uh a, a scene with uh Mando and Grogu versus uh Moff Gideon but then his his three special guards show up and they separate Mando and Grogu, and so the three guards are are with Grogu and Mando's you know obviously freaking out. I was freaking out in the chair, going <laughs> you know what the fuck is going to happen here. Bo kind of comes to the rescue and she has a one on one battle, which leaves allows Mando to go fight the three guards. Grogu was doing okay, but unfortunately we see the end of IG twelve as he's hacked to pieces and. Uh, and then uh, we get uh, two really good side by side, hand to hand combat uh, scenes. Um, really good stuff. Um, you know, of course, Mando comes out victorious, uh, defeating the three with with Grogu's help using the Force, um, kind of watching his back. And then uh, the three of them defeat Moff Gideon together as uh, uh, Axe Wolf has sent the the big ship right into the Empire base to. Uh, kind of blow this shit up and then we get a, a very cool scene of everything in, in flames with uh, Bo and Mando and Grogu kind of inside there and then we kind of get the flames kind of dissipate and we see Grogu has made like this force bubble protecting them mm -hmm. all uh, like the music is epic you know Grogu staying in the middle as the other two are crouched with this force bubble around them with the flames and uh, a really cool uh finale to the season with a with a, a lot of good fights since we finally see the end of of moff gideon and, and all of uh everything that he had planned and the good guys win um so what'd you guys think of of uh of the final bid like we had a, a lot of 
a lot of fight scenes in the episode, which I thought were really great. Um, um, you know, like like I love the scene with the with the shields and R five. You know, opening up the shields as he gets through yes. one by one. That was super cool. And then, uh, yeah, just the way that they 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 had all the main characters essentially in the main battle at the end. Um, uh, a good finale again, like forty minutes. Like it was nonstop. They they were on. They had their foot on the gas the whole way through, kind of pushing uh, the action and uh, to get to uh, to the end of uh, the episode. Uh, Doug, what do you think? No, it was great. Uh, I agree with you. I really like the R5 scene where he's like, and we've seen it before in other Star Wars movies, right? So it's like, it's not a new idea, but, but like there was tension. It was it was exciting. Like uh, each time he's taking out the guards with different weapons or with no weapons. Uh, so he's acquiring a new means to take out the guards each level, uh, right? So th- that was exciting. I My favorite thing about this episode and this season probably is uh, how Grogu now seems to be getting stronger in the force yeah. and he's using it now to, to, to assist uh, in uh, the, the fight with the three uh, red guards, but also then with the force shield. Uh, so I'm what I'm hoping, and it's, it's been a slow build to this um, is that we'll see next season, him really starting to use the force all the time when they're in battles, right? Like uh, I want to see him starting like pick stuff up with the force, throw it into them, crushing things like um his, his power slowly has been creeping up but now i want to see kind of like a, it, it exponentially ramp up where we're seeing him now kicking ass right like that's and i'm excited to see it to be honest because it's it, it's going to be fun but i and i also like the ending for this season right like this season's ending could if they didn't continue to do any more it would be a very good ending to the whole series right so i think that that was good they're going to do more, but it's uh, it was a good wrap up to the season, and uh, yeah, the the final two episodes were were incredible, and this 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 was very very good. I liked it. Yeah, like the uh, the the end of the episode is uh, the Mandalorians are are all united, all three factions. They restart the Great Forge. Uh, Mando formally adopts Grogu, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and so he can uh, become his apprentice and, and learn the ways of the Mandalorians. Um, and then uh, Mando, you know, he takes up contract work with, with Carson Teva, uh, working, you know, a little hush-hush work with the, with the New Republic. Um, he's got his little cabin on the outskirts of Navarro's capital. Yeah, the and kind of that, that grief had promised to him. And, uh, you know, we get that final shot of... Uh, of Grogu using the forest to float a frog around, you know, just kind of uh, a nice little happy ending. Uh, Nuno, what'd you think of the, the fight scenes and uh, the action in the final episode and the resolution of, of this season? It was a great tight episode. Um, I love that we've mentioned when, uh, when Mando's taking out those guards, there was this one scene in particular where I think he's just using like a small knife. And yeah. It was pretty broody. It was pretty brutal for star Wars. Like, He's like he's killing them in the spots between their armor plating. Mm-hmm. So he's he's like stabbing them in the neck, stabbing them like I think you know behind the knee, like all these like brutal things. I was like, whoa, this is pretty intense. Um, very cool. I think the only thing I wasn't crazy about was, and I think it's something that it was nice to to get an explanation and a reveal that they've been building up since I guess the pilot really is um, what was why did they want. Grogu, mm-hmm. because the whole, the whole, the first bounty in the, in the pilot 
I mean, the bounty that brought uh, them together was that this faction of the Empire were doing tests, wanted Grogu, they wanted to do tests on him. That cl- that doctor who um, bit the dust this season was uh, an expert in cloning. And I guess we learned that Moff Gideon's plan was that he wants to he wants to rule the Empire and he wanted to he wanted to have the force. He's gonna make himself a force clone. Which is why he wanted Grogu's Metachlorians, I guess. So that that was a bit silly. I for some reason I thought because of what we know in the sequel trilogy, I think a lot of people were assuming that uh, Moff Gideon was part of the bringing back Palpatine plan because I guess we're not really sure whether the Palpatine that we saw in episode nine is the original Palpatine or if he was a clone and all that sequel stuff was really convoluted. So probably good that they kept this separated. Um, yeah, I think I, I think it was really cool when uh, Axe wove like uh, just blasted through the stratosphere. Yeah, that was good. To get to the ship. I was like, wow, that, that is awesome. Like I thought for sure there was going to be something waiting for him. I was like, okay. There's probably a big ass monster waiting, waiting in this cloud. Wait, wait, <laughs> waiting, waiting Space in this cloud. Monsters. Yeah, like waiting in the clouds to just like swallow him up. But no, you know what? It diverted expectations, and he made it safely. And like Greg said, he got to crash that big, um, almost like a smaller star destroyer thing. That was really cool. It was a fantastic finale. So, um, overall thoughts on the the season, and uh, we'll give a, a rating out of five. Doug? So, overall, uh, this is the thing. There were some episodes that I wasn't too crazy about. It seemed to be slow at times, right? Um, but overall, it ended very, very strong. It started strong. So, it, it, it uh, like, I would give it probably four out of five myself. Like, I liked uh, – the season ended very well for me, and uh, – with regards to the Mandalorian in general, well, well, the one thing I like, and you, you touched on it, is the whole idea of the Forge. Because the, we got introduced to the Mandalorian by uh, just a cool set of armor, right? Boba Fett. So the fact that they were able to tie the whole Mandalorian culture to this mystical Forge is pretty awesome. And I think that that's, uh, as they build the lore around these characters and uh, the culture of the Mandalorians, uh, I think that that is appropriate to do so. In a way, it's kind of like dwarves, right? And um, Dungeons and Dragons, what have you. Um, but it's it's neat that they're doing it. And I look forward to more Forge scenes going forward now that they're in the home world. It's going to be exciting. So, Nuno? Um, I think season one and two for me were probably four and a half, four out of five. This was probably my least favorite of the three. Just because it was uneven. But it had some of the best moments. So I think I'm going to three and a half. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Like it definitely was uh, an uneven season where there was a lot of weird stuff. But the good stuff was was great. And it was really, really strong. Um, like I think for the most part, the, the comedy um, outside of episode six with Jack Black. I think the comedy hit on, on every level, uh, which uh, was not the, the case for me before with, with the, the series. Um, so I, I think I would give it a light four as well. Um, and, uh, uh, but overall I, I did enjoy uh, the season. As I said, like, yeah, there was some 
some missteps, but uh, the the good stuff was was really really good, and uh, a ton of action. And you know that's that's this is what we watch Star Wars for is to mm-hmm. you know to see cool shit, cool costumes, and uh, and for the most part, uh, really good effects and with a little bit of comedy uh, thrown in as well. All right, so let's get into our uh, superlatives. Um, we'll uh, each count down our, our, our top five uh, moments of the series. Um, I'll go first. Um, uh, my number five, you know, I, I think I always mention this in uh, in uh, every time that we talk about uh, The Mandalorian in the last two times we've talked about this show on, on, on Film Junk is uh, that the the theme song the end credits theme song is so good every time the episode ends although i'm sad that the episode has ended uh i just but i love that that theme song it's 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 very um uh is it uh ennio morricone who did all the like the, the spaghetti western music it's very similar to that um if i pronounce his name wrong i apologize but you guys know what i'm talking about yep. uh I, I love that uh, the end credits theme song uh number four the uh the triumphant return of r5d4 <laughs> uh number three that uh that you know like the the shot of uh, grogu holding that force bubble with the flames all around them as the music is you know like crescendoing uh my number two, uh, Nuno, you're going to be upset, but uh, uh, Mando and Bo doing their very best Lenny Briscoe uh, work on Law and & Order and acting as detectives <laughs> and solving the droid malfunction issue. I loved I loved that storyline. It was my favorite thing. Second favorite thing. Uh, obviously, my favorite thing of this whole scene season is Grogu inside the, uh, the IG-12. Uh, it's the best. Uh, yeah. uh, Doug, your top five. Uh, so Mando just kicking the droid to find out which one <laughs> is the bad guy, just booting the droid. I love that. Uh, the spider robot, that crazy robot on the planet. I love that. I like that he had different modes, like the head would come off and then go back in. That was just really cool, really, uh, and it was creepy too, right? Uh, Yoda in the IG unit saying, no, no, no. Uh, baby Yoda using the force to fight the guards. Uh, and then, uh, probably, uh, uh, there's really good, like dog fighting scenes on the one planet when they blow up the, the old Mandalorian base. Uh, it was really, oh, yes. really good, yeah. uh, s- s- uh, spaceship fighting. And, uh, I think that's something that they've always done very well in the series as a whole. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's always exciting to watch. Right. And it's, uh, they do it well. It's never boring. So I'll go with my list. Number five, the fact that Jack Black and Lizzo did not sing. <laughs> <laughs> Number four, Bo-Katan finally getting the Darksaber, although um, it was short-lived, and I was actually pretty pissed off that Moff Gideon destroyed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Number, that was strange. Yeah. Number three, seeing live-action Zeb in the Ranger mm-hmm. Bar. Number two, uh, Paz Vizsla taking out all of Moff's troopers and then fighting the Praetorian guards mm-hmm. and then dying. Uh, that was a pretty cool death scene. And number one, same as uh, same as you, Greg, Grogu in the IG-12 exosuit stealing fruit, um, keeping it from the man- Mando and saying, yes, 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 while Mando's <laughs> like, no, no. <laughs> 
So I read one uh, theory about the destruction of the Darksaber. They think that Grogu is going to use the crystals to make his first lightsaber. Oh, you know what? I always thought, too, in, in, in Season 2, when Moff Gideon had Grogu um, captive at, in the finale, I, I, I kind of pictured, oh, you know, wouldn't it be cool if the Darksaber is meant for Grogu eventually? Yeah, I guess we'll kind of have to see. Because they did kind of like... Uh, when it when he kind of crushed it, they did kind of focus on the like the mm-hmm. remnants of the dark saber. So I don't, I don't know if that'll yeah. come into uh, play at all uh, later on. But uh, all right, so let's uh, move on into um, our favorite secondary character. For me, this was a was a pretty easy one. Uh, it was R five D four all the way. <laughs> um, just a just a scene stealer uh, through and through that little astromech. Uh, Nuno favorite secondary character it was uh paz Vizla. okay and uh doug what about you i was i was gonna go with r5 as well nice that r5 was uh, yeah really good um and then uh our uh recasting choice and uh doug let's start with you for this one so i would swap out lizzo for Nicki minaj <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Very, very, very good. Um, for me, uh, I think I would recast Moff Gideon. Like, I love Giancarlo Esposito. Um, like, you know, he's great. He's in like in a lot of Spike Lee's movies, and some, he's in some Tarantino movies, and he's really good. But I, I don't think that he chews up so much like scenery in this in this show, and I, I don't know if he's like overcompensating to try to be more theatrical because um just the way the empire has always been portrayed and it's always these you know these shakespearean british actors who are playing like the the top roles in the empire so i'm not sure but like i honestly um like every time that he had like some long pieces of dialogue I, i just i i wasn't really sold on it and um but uh I mean, as far as who would be good to uh, to be in that role, you know, you kind of want to think of like some of those other actors who are famous for Shakespearean roles. And so I would go with Big Bang Theory's Jim Parsons. <laughs> Man, I thought you were going with Stephen Merchant. <laughs> no. Swerve again. Uh, yeah. Nuno, your, your uh, recasting choice? Okay. Um, it's actually... Katie Sackoff as Bo-Katan. Despite despite the fact that she originated Mm -hmm. the character in the animated series, um, and the fact that I liked her character of, is it Starbuck? In in Battlestar Galactica? Oh, I thought you were going to say you liked her character as the uh, sheriff's deputy on Longmire. I don't know if you ever watched that show. Oh, no, I never started that. No, I I remember that was one of those ones on Netflix. It was always on my list, and I never got into it. But no, um, she doesn't seem like the strongest actor. I think when she's trying to look serious, she kind of has this weird yeah. half smile that she can't really get rid of. And um, and then I was thinking, you know what? My son and I mentioned this because we'd watched a TV series and we were thinking about her age compared to Mando. And the fact that during the Clone Wars, when uh sorry, when Bo-Katan is like already in her 30s or whatever yeah mando was a small child but then when you see the performers they're probably the same age if not you know anyway 
I looked into it, and uh, Bo-Katan is supposed to be in her late 60s at this point. Oh. Um, so okay. I, I went with Gina Davis as a replacement. Um, mm-hmm. She's a perfect age. She's a natural redhead. She's a fantastic um, actor. And I saw her recently in season two of Glow, and she was incredible in that. Yeah, and, she was great. And I don't see her in anything anymore. So I was like, you know what? Get a more mature, age-appropriate Gina Davis. She's a fantastic actor. Super disappointing that Netflix canceled uh, Glow. I know. I what was, a great I was yeah, really into that sucks. show. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. That was um, the worst part of COVID. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> uh what was i gonna say about uh um oh right with with ages so like they've uh they recently announced that there's going to be another uh star wars film and they're bringing back um uh ray that that character from uh uh from the the last three films uh what what is i can't remember the actress's name it's escaping me right now but uh so she's going to be coming back and, and being like a like a jedi master and restarting the jedi but people kind of figured out that when that movie comes out the time period that that is uh grogu will be 91 years old and uh yoda became a jedi master at 100 so grogu is going to be at that age where you know he could be a pretty badass character and i'm kind of wondering mm-hmm. if some way they're going to get, I mean, they got to figure out a way to get Grogu into everything that they do. Yeah. Whether it's Star Wars or Marvel or Pixar or whatever, Grogu's just got to be in everything, <laughs> whether it's just even if just like a poster on the wall. But, uh, uh, so yeah, hopefully there's a bright future for a lot of these characters because, uh, um, uh, they've been, uh, well crafted over three seasons, uh, of the Mandalorian and a little bit of the, the book of Boba Fett. So I hope there's more, I bet, but we'll have to wait and see if, uh, there's going to be a season four. All right. Uh, where can uh, people find you, Nuno? Um, my online portfolio is nunop.com or nunop.com. You can see all of my comic covers that I illustrate, um, for different publishers and links to my socials. Uh, Doug? Yeah, just uh, Douglas Nagy on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, Instagram, you can also search me by my uh, pseudonym uh, that I used to use, but I stopped using, which is Hezekiah Wolfowitz. Nice. Um, and you can follow us, uh, uh, TV Junk Podcast, on Twitter if you've got any suggestions for future shows, whether it's retro episodes or retro shows or anything new. Uh, TV Junk Podcast at gmail.com. You can follow me, uh, The Gas Man Lives, on, on Twitter as well. Special shout out to the people of Luxembourg and Malaysia who continue to make this the uh, number one uh, rated television review podcast in those two countries. Uh, again, huge shout out to them. And uh, we'll see you for episode 20. Thanks for listening. You can watch Mr. Rogers. You can watch Three Company. And you can turn on fame or the newlywed game or the Adams Family. Say, you can watch Barney Miller. And you can watch your MTV. And you can watch till your eyes fall out of your head. That'll be okay with me.